This is History Replays Today, the Richmond History Podcast, episode number 35. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Jeff Major. On the show, I have Frank Robinson and Beth Monroe. Um, Frank Robinson is the president and CEO of Lewis Ginter Botanical Gardens. Beth Monroe is the public relations and marketing director at Lewis Ginter Botanical Gardens. This is the second part of the conversation. Um, if you haven't heard the first part, you don't really need to hear it to understand what's going on here. But, I mean, it's probably a good idea. You know, it's all kinds of fascinating. You can go back and um, it's just the episode just before this. And it's it's really more about who Lewis Ginter was as a person, uh, as a human being, uh, who the guy is. Right. This episode actually focuses more on the, the time after Ginter's life. Um, you know, the land that becomes Lewis Ginter Botanical Gardens, uh, and, you know, a lot of the, the north side, um, and how it almost didn't happen, right? You know, how, how all that land got set aside for that purpose, how it almost didn't happen, uh, how Lewis Ginter almost became part of Maymont, right? Um, a lot of people know that, that, that there was a, a rocky road getting the Botanical Gardens, uh, up and running. Um, but who knew that, that, that it almost became part of, um, Maymont. I mean, uh, I thought that was pretty amazing. And I talked to Frank Robinson and Beth Monroe in, uh, Frank's office, which is in the second floor of the Blooming Doll House, which is the, the floor, uh, that, you know, we talk about Grace Arents actually added onto the, to the wheelhouse, um, to create the, the home where they lived. Uh, but it's a beautiful house, it overlooks the gardens. You know, it's a t- much worse places to have an office. Uh, but when we started talking about uh, Maymont and the relationship with Lewis Ginter and how Ginter's, uh, the, the Botanical Gardens almost was established inside Maymont, uh, Frank actually started pointing, we talk about it in the conversation, about this uh, picture, this proposal for the Botanical Gardens in Maymont. Uh, and if you want to check the picture out to see what we're talking about, you can go to historyreplaystoday.org. Um, on the post uh, that goes along with this uh, episode number 35. Um, you can also find it on um, on my Facebook, History Replays Today, on uh, the Twitter, at History Replays, or History Replays Today's uh, Tumblr. Uh, you can also always, of course, drop me a line, let me know what you think uh, about this episode or any other there, uh, or at Jeff Major, J-E-F-F-M-A-J-E-R, at historyreplaystoday.org. Um but the the photo does have a lot of reflections in it. I mean, I, I took it. Frank actually, yeah, I think he said that no one had ever published it before. So this might be might be breaking news. I'm not 100 percent positive on that. Um, but the the photo has a lot of reflections, you know, because I wasn't expecting to, to take a picture of it. I just I only had my my phone. Um, so we actually just took the framed picture off the wall and took a picture of it out in the hallway. Um, took a bunch of shots, and that's that's the one that that came out. Um, but if you don't know, Lewis Ginter is Botanical Gardens is not inside Maymont. Good news, um, and, and that also comes. I mean, how, how does it? Uh, a lot of a lot of obstacles to overcome uh, before to actually get to what we know of today. And if you haven't been to the gardens in a while, uh, great opportunity to go. The Dominion Garden Fest of Lights, uh, pretty amazing. You know, it's already open, um, and it'll go. Uh, into January, I believe, and it's it's nightly from five o'clock to to ten p.m. Um, except for the twenty fourth and twenty fifth of December. Uh, I mean, it's really amazing. 
Um, if you've never been, it's a holiday experience like like you've never uh, like you've never imagined. Um, but oh, I do want to I did want to thank uh, Johnny. Uh, Johnny donated to the podcast. Thank you very much. You can do the same thing. Please support it. You know, please invest in this program if you're enjoying it. Go to historyreplaceaday.org. You can click on the support button, and uh, you know, five, ten, hundred bucks, whatever you can give. That's you know, just buy me a cup of coffee. That'd be fantastic. That way, I can stay up uh, late while I'm while I'm doing this. And you can you should also go check out the farm table. Uh, the farm table will deliver fresh fruits and veggies right to your house. Um, you can sign up for that at thefarmtable.org. Uh, if you use the promo code HRT2014, you'll get a discount off the, the membership fee. Uh, that promo code is good uh, until December 31st, so act now. Um, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Uh, I started talking to Frank Robinson and Beth Monroe. Uh, we started talking about the, the, the bike club, um, which is you know what Lewis Ginter actually established on what is now the Botanical Gardens. How long is the bicycle club here? Wasn't very long, actually. Okay. I think it was just a couple of years, and then he died, and then uh, all this land reverted back to his real estate company, his, his uh, Lewis Interland Company or something like that. Okay. And um, and so it became part of his estate. Huh. Um, none of this was public property or owned by. And is and is that going to go like? Because I think that's an interesting aspect as well. Like, was where does John Pope and fit in because he doesn't stop. Well, John Pope has died. By oh, he has? Uh, yeah. Okay. When Pope died, Ginter was devastated and, and a lot of people believe that it contributed to his earlier death because hmm. he was in deep mourning. Okay. Um, and so who is then in charge of this massive fortune? Some um, soon-to-be wealthy attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well c- congratulations to them. Uh-huh. And, yeah, uh, because, um, I mean, he had heirs, obviously, with George and Grace and the other two siblings. We don't really know very much about them. Um, but everything went into his estate, and then um, what, I guess the assets were distributed, and there were other people to carry on things like American tobacco. And, right. But I think by then, Ginter Park was its own entity or, or developed enough that sure. there wasn't anyone who had to drive it anymore. Right. Because um, all those things just spun off right. anyway, mm-hmm. at his death. Um, and the, uh, the lakeside, the, the park, is mm-hmm. that going to also... It didn't last very long. Huh. It didn't last very long beyond his death. Huh. So it, it, they were all kind of flashes in the pan in many ways. Right. Yeah. And so, who then controls this land where we, you know, where we are? Grace actually bought this land back from his estate. Okay. Because um, the building was here, it was country, mm-hmm. fresh air, healthy, and so that's when she built the second story on the on the wheelhouse, and this became a sanatorium for inner city children who were suffering from all these. Um, um, urban-related diseases, right? And um, and she became a very progressive farmer and produced the food that the children ate. She was known all over the region for her farming techniques and 
had the newest of seed hybrids and all of that sort of thing. So she built a reputation of, of sort of her acumen in health and wellness right. and through this. And so when is this house actually originally built? Do you know? Do we know? Like, um, I think eight, 1895 for the wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. She, and that's the first story. That's the first story. Uh-huh. She completely renovated and added the second story somewhere, um, I want to say 1911. That seems late, but probably by the time the states got settled and people figured it out. And so, it, but she started the IBNA soon after the hospital got established and um, partly because, um, I mean, what I've always heard is that the, this was very distant from the city. The children were removed from their parents. Yeah. These were folks who couldn't drive you know, their car out sure. to visit. And so um, she realized that it wasn't the ideal situation to have all these kids sort of um, uh, completely um, away from their families. Yeah. And so she started IBNA. That became very successful as a way to um, uh, train families to take care of their sick family members in their own homes, how to administer uh, medications and you know help them get well again. And yeah. so that made the hospital obsolete. And then she re- uh, renovated the building again into her home and moved in about 1916, I think, and lived here okay. until 1926 when she died. Right. So it had, from 1895 to... 1915, 1916, three different incarnations. Sure. And so, and that gets into the, um, you know, where she lives here, but then in her, her companion mm-hmm. is still living here. Right. Right. And she carries on, I think, until the 40s. Right? No, into the 60s. The she 60s, died in 68. Okay. So 68. she was, she right, was here enough. for 22 years. Right. 42 years, all on her own. And and Grace had, le- like, put in her will that the, that the property were reverse to the city. the city yeah um and so what is the and, it, and it's supposed to become a botanical gardens right right and so what happens that i mean it, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> are you checking my dates well I, well I, close I, enough? yes you yeah. are there's been some discrepancy about the founding of the lakeside wheel club okay. in some places 1894 and sometimes it's 1895 and i think the you were right though i think janet found a newspaper mm-hmm. article that says 1895 okay. I, I just, yeah, just yeah, double that's checking great. along those lines to have those updated mm-hmm. in my head um, so it's the 1960s. Yeah. Um, the city apparently has some um, financial woes. Uh-huh. They already have Maymont from the Dooleys without any endowment. Right. So trying to maintain 100 acres, historic house, historic buildings um, with no um, uh, separate source of support or funding for those projects. And so this land then comes to them. Right. And they go, why do we need another old house and, um, and, and acres and acres of property to take care of? Sure. And so they just didn't bother. Huh. Um, and did, does Grace Aarons leave any endowment? She does. Okay, she so does. she actually she leaves a trust fund. Right. So, okay. Um, with, um, Cause it, no, the Dooley's left nothing. The Dooley's left nothing. Now, I understand that was about a, a, a very, very absurd um, spat that the Dooleys had with the city, that the city wanted a right-of-way to take 
I think, um, stormwater through that property t into the canal okay. to get it out of the city. Uh-huh. And, um, and so the Dooley's granted that right of way. Um, and then at some, and the city never built it. And then at some point, uh, Major Dooley said, you know, we, we want the money back, or we want the, we want a, the right of way removed. We want that land back. And, yeah. And because they must have been doing this longer term planning. And the city said, well, we'll sell it to you for X number of dollars. And Dooley basically said, right. I'll get you. Right, sure. So um, a very, very strange transaction. Yeah. Sure. Um, you want the land? Take yeah. it all. Yeah. Uh, now deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so that, so that was that was that, you know, and and that's why nothing happened. And the city um, decided to use this property as a nursery for the city park system. Yeah. So uh, I understand the park superintendent actually had an office in this building. Okay. And um, and they had rows of shrubs and trees. Yeah. Um, on the property, and and a little greenhouse complex. And so the. Um I mean, that's not, like, open to the public. I mean, there's no, no like, no. it's just, which is basically botanical gardens without the public part, right? I mean, right. that's, like, right. you got plants, you need people involved. it was production. It wasn't beautiful. Right, was sure. growing stuff. Um, and, yeah. and how does this, uh, how does this change? I mean, what, what happens there? In the late 70s, so we're now 20 years, now I guess 10, 12 years later, um, the city had some money to build low-income housing and the county was doing its master planning and the county thought a diagonal road through here that would link Hermitage and the future 295 to the 9564 interchange mm -hmm. made awfully good sense from an engineering standpoint. And so the county proposed putting a road through the property. Um, the city thought um, putting low-income housing on 80 acres that it owned, but that was isolated and plopped down in the middle of the county, was kind of a good idea. Mm -hmm. And so they were negotiating back and forth about the county would let the city build the housing, that the city would let the county build the road. And that's basically what the plan was. Mm -hmm. And I guess everyone figured that you know, Grace Harris had been dead a long time and nothing had happened with the property and who cared at that point. <clears throat> the superintendent of um, of the nursery, at least, if not parks, um, was privy to these conversations and plans and literally was going home at night saying to his wife, my gosh, you know, Miss Aarons must be turning over into her grave because that is not what she wanted for this property. Mm -hmm. Um, and his wife was a member of the Richmond Horticultural Association who basically went to that group of women and said, we're not going to let this happen. It's, nice. it's not right. So they ultimately initiated a lawsuit and sued the city to prevent the, um, the road going through the property and for the development of the housing on the property. Right. And, and that got to be rather complicated because um, the bank held the trust fund and the bank was aware of the lawsuit and basically said, 
One, you couldn't have done that with the property anyway because of the, the, the intent of the will. But two, um, we've been holding on to this money all this time and it has to be applied to the creation of the botanical garden. Right. So, um, yeah, they now came to the courts and said we need some clarity and some help on this. Um, ultimately, some of the errants heirs showed up out of the blue and were saying, you haven't fulfilled the wishes of the will. Uh, we'll take our land and the trust fund back. Right. We're the legitimate heirs. And then you had the Maymont board of directors who were the power brokers of the time um, who said, we have a perfect plan. In fact, it's right here. We will build the Lewis Ginter Botanical Garden at Maymont and we will take the trust fund, and Maymont will now be endowed, and everyone will be happy. Right. Um, Maymont gets Build an endowment. The there will be a little botanical garden named after Lewis Ginter. The city gets the housing, the county gets the road, and everyone goes home um, uh, fulfilled. Sure. And so it went into the courts, and the judge ultimately decided that the, the intent of the will was clear, um, there was a group of people who were prepared to lead the organization. Um, there was money in place. Um, Grace Arendt's plan was not for a botanical garden to be a subset within Maymont, that it was to be on this property. Right. And so basically um, created Louis Gennett Botanical Garden as a non-profit corporation with a board of directors with a charge to build the botanical garden and everyone else lost their claim. That's fantastic. So that was 1984. 1984, when that, and so like from the late 70s, all this is like legal mm -hmm. battles and nonsense, mm -hmm. you know, people bickering and coming up with uh, creative, mm -hmm. um, creative, creative solutions. solutions. That yeah. We're self-serving in some ways. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, they often are. Yeah, they yeah. Often are. but the, I mean, Maymont went this far in 1983 to show the Lewis Ginger Botanical Garden at Maymont. They actually That's had amazing. a landscape architect design it. And where's the house? Uh, it's not. It's, this is quite a small. Um, this is the. Um, this is the carriage house. Okay. And this is the barn. And this is the uh, fountain court. So the Italian garden is here. So it was going to get squeezed in between the Italian garden and the barn. Wow. Which is just kind of workspace at this point. It was. It, I think that was. You know, it's kind of all gravel and and. Um, you know, very, a very long, narrow. Right. right. So, and so that says 1983, so that's like yeah. the last gas effort as well. That's yeah. not a... Yeah. yeah. And wow. you had the Maimon board. I mean, and, and I understand their um, interest in pursuing this. You have the Maimon board really lobbying, mm -hmm. you know, the powers that be and to make this happen. They don't... Uh, but this is maybe... Try and put salt in your, in your coffee and stuff. You guys... Maybe. Yeah, there's friends yeah, but, again, I guess. Or. Interestingly, after Louis Gita was created, and, um, and I got here in 92, and we started to really pull a plan together and, and raise money and, and move forward, I actually had some of the Maymont board um, say to me that, you know, this was such a big dream for them, and it became quite a a political battle as well as a mm -hmm. social bat battle that um, they felt that they lost and there was a lot of resentment from folks who had 
been involved in the leadership of Maymont and um, and Lewis Ginter. Right. They weren't hoping for us to thrive because it, it, you know, they lost out on what they thought was an opportunity to enhance Maymont, but also to endow Maymont. Sure. Yeah. Oh, humans. So, yeah, humans. <laughs> I mean, oh, humans. there was some bitterness between people. But so when this place opens, you know, how are they? This is again a thing that is an amazing amount of money that's going to cost to to sort this out. Mm-hmm. Did she, did she? She didn't leave that much money. I mean, did she? I mean, this is a, she left a hundred thousand dollars in nineteen twenty six. So it was oh, wow, it was okay. three million by nineteen eighty four. Oh right. So you can do some nice you stuff. You can do some. That. Yeah, and as. Someone in the philanthropic community told me $3 million in 1984 was, one, a lot of money, uh-huh. and no one else in town, no, no other culture institution had that kind of cash on hand. Yeah. So there was some real attraction to right. becoming part of this initiative. Yeah, and that makes a lot more sense why Maymont would have had, you know, why some of those why, folks yes. would have been licking their lips so much. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a nice piece of change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, and so who who's like who becomes in charge of making you know I'm kind of imagining before rows of trees, mm-hmm. you know, at a and, um, and a field. You know, uh, this was all field from here down to Hilliard Road. Okay, and and I think it was leased out for a long time to farmers, local farmers. So the okay. city was leasing it as well. So um, yeah, to get I mean. Something's got to happen between there and here, right? I mean, yeah. you know, who comes up with the initial idea? You know, plans. There was a board of directors, okay, um, and there was what was called a court committee, and the court committee actually oversaw the distribution of the money, okay. So the board couldn't go crazy, right? Um, and the the court committee ultimately decided to split the three million in half. Mm-hmm. And half went into a permanent endowment, mm-hmm. and half became spendable resources if mm-hmm. the court committee approved it for the development of the garden. Mm-hmm. So the board um, did a search, hired our first director, mm-hmm. Robert Hebb. Um, Bob came in, um, so and there was money available to clean up this house, which was the only building we had. Um, to start putting together a master plan to hire early staff. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the committee oversaw the distribution of those funds okay. through into 92. Um, the, 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 that money ran out the year I arrived. Um, oh. It was very interesting. Exactly. <laughs> but um, so that's what allowed... The, the early work to happen and sure. to you know to start to open, we opened to the public in '87 for the first okay. time, um, and you know, this was the only garden we had basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and folks drive through, and they would drive through, right? They would drive through, just sort of drive past, look at the beautiful displays, and keep on going. Yeah. And, and is there kind of uh, something happen? I mean, is there or a fanfare? You know what I'm saying? Is there like a celebration that opens or people oh, at that point just like... media coverage. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. they... I, I don't know how they got all the media coverage, but if you look back at the um, the articles in the Richmond Times Dispatch, it was extraordinary. They actually assembled a, a group of national advisors who sort of oversaw the early planning. I mean, there were people from huh. Longwood Gardens and the Atlanta Botanical Garden and, I mean... 
um, who came together and and started to you know build the dream. Yeah. I guess ultimately. Because it's pretty interesting that I mean you know I guess times change, but I can't imagine driving through even as, <laughs> as pretty as it na- is now. You know, it just seems like not fun. You know, walking through the gardens, you're there, you can smell, and you know all that. But just hopping in your car and you know, I don't know, putting on Q ninety four and riding, you know, I don't know, whatever. You know, <laughs> it just seems so weird. Well, it, it must have been pretty impressive. Well, it was colorful. I think it was novel. Okay. You know? um, there weren't a lot of amenities at that point. I mean, there were some bathrooms, and you know, they allowed some garden clubs and people to meet downstairs, but there, okay. there was just a gravel parking lot. Hmm. And so, you know, it was just a nice thing to do on a Sunday afternoon was to drive, drive out and slowly pass by the, the spring or summer display and keep on going. Sure. Um, and, you know, that, we stopped that in the, in the 90s um, out of safety, for one thing, but we also had more things to see. And sure. We wanted people to experience them. But, but I had people who really wow. fought me on that. Um, and they would say, you know, I used to drive my mother out there every Sunday afternoon to look at the flowers. And we, you know, but mom couldn't get out of the car or whatever. And right. so, you know, you still need to let people drive through. And I said to one lady, you know, it's, it's, it's a different experience to walk through the gardens. And I yeah, said, yeah. yeah, you, you could let people drive through the center of the Virginia Museum to enjoy the art, but it's really not quite the same kind of experience. Exactly, exactly. And of course, she was aghast at that suggestion right. that sure. we have a drive through at the MFA. Right. But, you know, it, it is... Getting up the stairs would be something. For us horticulturists, you know, uh, and, you know, we feel strongly about what that experience should be. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, yeah. I'm sure you don't need me to say it, but right decision. I mean, it just, you know, she's been waiting all these years um, for me to say it. But, um, yeah, I, I just can't, uh, yeah. I guess the, other than someone who couldn't walk through here, I can't imagine how it could ever be a better experience for anyone driving than it would be walking. Um, but so, and, and yeah, and that's crazy. Up until the night, I mean, when you got here, you they were in the 92, you said? 90, I came in 92. Yeah, and they were still they had, driving through? No, they weren't driving through anymore because but they drove right up here and parked right here in front of the house around huh. the, the big magnolia tree. No, the neighbors got mad um, on Lockberry and Prospect about all these cars because people would come in off of Lakeside and they'd drive past and then they'd go out what had been an old farm road. And so it completely changed the traffic patterns for those residential properties. And, right. And so they made the garden close off that back road but I think it was until 90 or 91 the, this Sydney Lake the Central Lake was built in between 90 and 91 and yeah. when they started that construction that's when they cut off the road sure but yeah for most of the time people drove through and so the lakeside lakes are natural no no, no so, okay. none of it's natural no oh, I like that yeah it was just a dam that, that I had been a mill pond I think in the 1880s and um and maybe earlier than that, and then Ginter um, increased the height of the dam to make the lake bigger. But this probably would just be a simple little creek. Huh. Um, and then our lake really was 
was two things. One, it was about water storage and it was about aesthetics, but it was also it's our best management fund. So all of the or a vast majority of the water on this property flows into that lake to keep any pollution from our development going immediately right. off into the open stream system. Sure. So and, and which we saw brandy um piers. I almost called them bridges, but they're Oh, the weirs. Oh, yes. floating, <laughs> floating docks. Yeah, the floating yeah. docks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've um, been out on those, yeah. Those actually look really awesome yeah. coming in. So, um, but, I mean, what is the, you know, I, I don't know, it seems weird still. I mean, do most botanical gardens drive through? I don't know why I'm like no, working on this no, thing. No, most no, don't, right? No, that is no, you. No, no, okay, cool. You drive, yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I don't go to a lot of botanical gardens. I mean, it could be a new come thing. Here a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drive through museums, drive let's, through botanical let's gardens. Let's start it. Yeah, let's right. just, yeah. Electrical cars, not right. polluting. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely not making sounds as well. No radios. Um, but the, uh, I mean, where do these, I mean, the, the, the idea, I don't know, I'm just kind of, I don't even know if there's a story other than just listing each one, but um, from even going from a, you know, an orchard or, or a, um, you know, just rows of trees to the vast. I mean, I, I mean, is there any indicate how many plants are out? There? I mean, different types. I mean, dear God, it's like oh yeah, gazillions. Um, it's gazillions. I mean, yeah. it's hundreds of thousands of plants. And last I remember, we had twenty eight hundred or taxa in growing. I, I sent something some, something on that to someone yesterday. Taxa. Like and these are from all around the world, right? Yeah, I mean, like, all around the world. Um, I, you know, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if that's an answerable question or a story, but it just, other than just like, wow, there's a lot of, in such a short period of time, mm-hmm. right, it's become that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and it, relatively cheap, I mean, so it's not like, you know, it's not like you guys are, you know, you know. There's tons and tons yeah, of we people don't have, around. We don't have melon money behind us, right? right. I mean, yeah. and, and how does that happen? I mean, is there secrets, or is it just just what just people come in in '92 and run the thing that well? <laughs> you know, it. Do you want to correct numbers or? Well, I, I have here 7,500 unique genera, species, genera, and cultivar, okay. cultivars uh-huh. from around the world. Okay. Seventy-five. Just, just a lot. Yeah, just a lot. I mean, and again, in such a short amount of time. Yeah. I mean, because doing tours, another thing that people are all, you know, segue tours, you know, we do Hollywood Cemetery, and I'll talk a little bit about Lewis Skinner. People are shocked when they find out how young the, the Botanical Gardens mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. I mean, just walking out there today, you'd, you'd assume this was here in, you know, the Civil War. I mean, this had that long to develop. Um, I mean, I just feel like there's got to be, you know, I mean, I guess, for example, when is the, um, what's a, not a greenhouse, but it looks like a greenhouse. Is it a, uh, the, I mean, con, we have the conservatory. The conservatory, so the big, that's, that's an actual word big, that describes. Yeah. Well, we also have a big greenhouse range, so. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, is that going to be the first building, or? No, the visitor center was the first building. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, the tea house, actually, was the first new building, but um, the visitor center was the first First big building. Okay, and when right. when does that go up? Ninety nine. In ninety nine. Okay. Open in ninety nine. Gosh, and that's even less. Like that's. It's uh, like just fifteen years. Still, just kind of amazed. Like more and more. And then, and so when was I mean, that and so that revolutionizes the entire the the entire layout of the grounds is suddenly 
and visitation. Uh, right. We went from 60,000 visitors in 98 to 180,000 in 99. Wow. It put us on the map. It made us real. It was, right. It was extraordinary. Yeah, so it was revolutionary. Yeah, and, and, it, and it literally, I mean, you know, thinking about design, you know, as you're, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, people walk in and we want this, you know, these things to be visually seen. I mean, now you're, you're, you're to the other direction. Yes. Everything is yeah. completely turned around. Correct. You know, signs, all, you know, nothing else. You know, if it says this way, they're all going the opposite wrong direction now. Um, and the, uh, what, what about the, the conservatory comes in? 2003. 2003. Um, and that gives you, you know, probably one of the favorites is like the, the butterflies, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how long has that been going on? Hmm. Good question. Um, Did we do it in 2004? I think we... I don't think the North Wing was done in 2004, mm-hmm. was it? Um, we, the, maybe 2005, 2006 mm-hmm. for the butterflies. Because the North Wing wasn't completed in the first phase of construction for the conservatory. But it was in the next year. So I think that was done by 2004. Okay. It doesn't have to be exact. I mean, that, yeah, that kind yeah, of ballpark. That's, that's what we're looking at. But but really the the that we did a we did do a butterfly exhibit then um, but then in two thousand nine um, it was our twenty fifth anniversary so then we had a grant to be able to do a much bigger mm-hmm. um, butterfly exhibit it was tropicals whereas mm-hmm. the one we had done before I think natives. it was all native yeah. so but, but um, and and then what we do now is very much more a progression of what we started in two thousand nine with okay. the tropicals. So, the success of that. Fair so, enough. Yeah. And the length of it. Yeah. Right. I mean, Garden Fest of Lights is also like a extravaganza, right? That's mm-hmm. like kind of become, I mean, how long has that been going on? For, <laughs> forever? <laughs> 90, what did we figure? Uh, 90, 90 something. We saw, we have found a, a sheet of paper from 92, I 92? believe. Okay. But that may have just been, I think, um, Uplighting of trees and that type of thing. Because yeah, this is all we had. Mm-hmm. We had like a three or four day Christmas, um, walk, not an auction, Christmas market mm-hmm. downstairs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really, ninety vendors would come in. Yeah, I think that would be the the fair. Uh, you know, that's probably better. That's better. Uh, date. Yeah, that's better. Um, because again, there was a grant from um, Dominion. There was uh, sponsorship money from Dominion. Mm-hmm. That allowed that uh, Garden Fest of Lights to become a much bigger event. Okay, so, and that was in '98. Okay, right, because so that's kind of—I mean—that's kind of like a like a was, staple, right? Yeah. Or like oh, yeah. you know, it's like—I mean—you know—not just for you know for the city. I mean, it's yeah. like that seems like a yeah. It's become a, um, it's become a community tradition. In yeah, many ways. yeah. It's pretty fantastic. I mean, it's like it's weird the. You know, the way your your eyes get all, you know, uh-huh. when it's so many lights with so much distance, you don't normally see lights that far away, uh-huh. you know, and it's, um, you know, it's 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 pretty amazing. If someone's never done it, they absolutely need to come out this year. Mm, good. That's um, good to hear. But then you guys are doing the, uh, um, the bike, having a bike exhibit as well coming up. Is that, For, I understand that starts with, does that not start with the Garden the Festival garden Lights fest. as well? Yeah. A lot of bike theme. Um for Garden Fest, and um, and we're doing kind of a, a, a broad historical theme because we're doing um, a, a toy and animal theme in the conservatory. Okay, uh, going back to to Ginter in the zoo mm-hmm. and um, 
and toys from 19th century. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very family friendly. I mean, sure. It's everything from teddy bears to cool old fashioned trucks and, and things. Um, okay. And so that's going to be an interesting part of the theme. And then lots of bicycles and bike wheels. Right. Um, incorporated into the design. I don't know all that. You probably know the details more than I know. Well, just a a legacy in lights um, Um, from Bicycle Club to Botanical Garden. um, Are we talking about just the lights? Or is there not, are you not doing like a proper historical exhibit about for the 30th anniversary? In the library, library. they are working on an exhibit that will be there for Dominion Garden Festive Lights, but then also there during the time frame when the UCI World Cycling Championships are in town. Right. So what we're doing with the Dominion Garden Festive Lights is getting kind of a, it's an opportunity for us to get a jump on it, you know, and to be able to start talking about this before the year that it actually begins with the the cycling championship. Because there's not, I know there are a few pictures in the visitor center, but I mean, it's not a, it's generally not really the focus of what goes on here, the history of the place, right? I mean, so yeah. it's kind of a... Yeah, we haven't um, quite gotten there yet. Right, out of the, I mean, is there, is there dreams to kind of have that more in the future, I guess? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Turning at least the first floor of this house into an interpretive housing museum. Of some sort. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Good. That'd be fantastic, right? Um, the, uh, because it's a beautiful house. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is like pretty amazing. That um, yeah, it's a lot nicer than my office. That doesn't really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, I mean, in the um, so so we are we looking something? I mean, this is definitely not history. This is going in the future, but something like like a Grace Errant's time period. Yes. Or, yeah. In fact, interesting you ask because we just had a committee of uh, architectural historians and interior uh, decorative people here um, a couple of weeks ago. And talking about that, you know, what's the what's the period of, of relevance? Sure. And everyone agreed it's the time Grace Aarons lived here. And right. The house architecturally is arts and crafts, so it's that same period of time reflects that. And they were saying there's really not an intact arts and crafts building that's available open to the public in Richmond. This would be the first one huh. of that era, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of cool too. And no place to go learn about the the real history of Louis Ginter right. or of Grace Aarons. And so the house then becomes this interpretive opportunity. Still could be used for events and retreats and weddings, mm-hmm. um, um, but also maybe more open than it is today for the general public to come in and and enjoy it, but use all the architecture and the environment, you know, uh, because this garden was restoration of Grace Aaron's garden, obviously reinterpreted, but basically based on photographic records from her time. Oh, really? Oh, okay. mm -hmm. So the the garden is actually a recreation Mm -hmm. of the way she had it. She had it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And... Wow, okay, so fair enough. So there's some sort of restriction. So you're not just doing, hey, a nice little pond would be nice, you know. No, no, no. That'd no. be cool over there. Yeah. Huh, okay. Yeah. That's actually interesting. Yeah, so this, ultimately, I think that's the plan for this building. Uh, huh. At least on the main floor. Yeah. It seems like that would actually be uh, a benefit, like a wedding. It'd be cool to get married in a place mm-hmm. that had old furniture and, you know, this, uh, I mean, you know, I guess it was decked out, decked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, no, that's pretty interesting. But the, 
think we pretty much covered a lot of stuff. We've covered a lot of mm-hmm. stuff, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, if you can make sense of it. Yeah. Better man than I. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Just have to some sort of uh, just listen to it three times. That's what it is. Um, just, to, just to figure it out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if you got anything you got anything else that do you think we skipped? I mean, I think we've pretty much covered most of it, right? Well, I know it's focused on history, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we are celebrating our 30th yeah. anniversary, but we're really looking ahead to our next 30 years mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. And so uh, while the first 30 years have been very much focused on building the infrastructure and the facilities and the gardens, now we're starting to look out beyond the garden and be more involved in the community, which I think is a really exciting time for us. Yeah, great. That's fantastic. And, you know, and philosophically in line with Ginter and Grace Ahrens, too, you know, because ultimately it was the community they invested in and they they followed their own passions about I don't think Grace would have ever built the wheel club or she probably wouldn't have built streetcars, but she did her thing with public health. And, Absolutely. And, and education. So, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of neat to think that we're now looking at how we take our passion and better the city through it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. That's absolutely it. I mean, that's, it ain't going to get better unless we make it better, right? right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and actually one, this is like a totally, I don't know why, I just thought it was, is part of this land not now, or was it ever in the county? I mean, I'm sure, yeah, absolutely. It, at one point, everything was in the county, obviously. It was, yeah, but, right. Um, yes, it was. It was in the county, but she left it specifically to the city because okay. she wanted right. it to benefit urban residents. So, and did the city, would that would cause part of the issues, right? Or, or, or isn't that not... Uh, cause part of the issues. As far as why is it did not get established, or I yeah. guess the city can do what they want. Yeah, I mean, the they own the land. They, they, they can... own the land. So and yeah, it's, okay. It's, um, we have perpetual lease now, so the city can't do whatever it wants. But um, right. But in those days, yeah. And I think if this, if the we follow county laws, um, so I guess the question is, you know, did Grace Harris assume the city would continue to grow beyond Bryan Park and this would ultimately all be city? Right. Um, or did she just want it uh, available and, and accessible to the city? Right. I don't and know so what a county government would have been like in the, eight, in the 1920s. You know, you think oh, she's doing mm-hmm. estate plans, so I don't know what... Yeah, I don't think it would have been much at all. Probably I mean, not. So the city was the obvious benefactor, I guess, a recipient of it. But it's all in the city now? No, it's, it's, it's in the county. We're a little the island. The entirety of, of the county? Yeah, we're a little island of 80 acres in Henrico County. Huh, how about that? Yeah. Dang, all right, fair enough. So, which is probably why it didn't get developed in the 70s, because the city right. and the county had to come to some agreement. Mm-hmm. And had this had it all been city or all been county, people wouldn't have been asking permission. Yeah. Of each other. And so, yeah. so you said, so yeah, so you don't have to, you follow county laws. We follow county and laws. Does the city doesn't really have that much control here at all? City city appoints twenty percent of our board of directors. Okay. And that's about it. Um, they have never contributed financially to the garden. Okay. Um, and um, and because we have perpetual lease, they really have no control over the land. Right. Um, and um, and so we operate very independently of them. Yeah. So technically they own it, but a perpetual lease basically is like you can't... Gives us control over right. our destiny. 
Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the interesting thing about Grace Aaron's will is that if we were to cease operating as a as a botanical garden, which mm-hmm. was the charge. Um, all of the assets don't go back to the city. All the assets go to the St. Andrews Association uh, by default, huh. which is the foundation she created to support St. Andrews School yeah. and St. Andrews Church. What that? So um, she was pretty savvy about yeah. protecting the intent long term. Yeah, the city gets shafted pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> they got yeah. shafted. They yeah. just, I mean, they know. got something. They, they they got something's better than nothing, right? But yeah. I mean, but yeah, they definitely. She she would make sure that they weren't gonna. She was she was planning ahead. Up. Yeah, she wasn't. Awesome. She wasn't some. I mean, people talk about her being shy and withdrawn and never in photographs. But I mean, she had to be a relatively sophisticated individual. Yeah. Those are the ones you have to worry about. Yeah, right? yeah, maybe so. Yeah, <laughs> people who talk too much like me, then they, then you're like, yeah, I guess nothing. Yeah, we know is what, you know what you're all about. Right. Yeah, Grace was just there quietly contemplating all the all the sure. things she would. I because mean, you think about you know, hundred years later, she's still influencing it's people's amazing. lives today. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, but excellent. I guess uh, I think we've got some stuff. Yeah. St. Andrew's School help. is actually celebrating their 120th anniversary. So oh, really? Andrew, her, uh, St. Andrew's School. So oh, that's pretty fantastic. Connections there too. Yeah. yeah, a lot of anniversaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like this. Mm-hmm. So must be the sun cycles or something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, this has been yeah. fun, Jeff. Yeah. Thank you very thank you, much. Thank you for your time. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Um, and uh, both of you. Alright, that was it. Thank you very much, Frank Robinson. Thank you very much, Beth Monroe. Again, go listen to the last episode if you haven't heard it. It's more about Lewis Skinner, the, the individual, uh, the man. Uh, and if you want to hear more about the history of Maymont, which, you know, the annexation of the Botanical Gardens does not come up, but uh, we do talk about Maymont on episode 20 and 21 of this very podcast. Go check it out. And in fact, Go check out all the different episodes, all 35 of them. That's a good day for you. Uh, you can also, I would also want to thank uh, Johnny again. Thank you for contributing to the podcast, uh, investing and in keeping this thing going. And as always, let me know what you think about the podcast on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, at History Replays, and make it a great day.